Hello and welcome to the Horns Up Half Hour, Cedar Hill ISD's podcast about scholars, staff, and community. Our guests will be individuals from the district and the community. This podcast is for anyone interested in expanding their knowledge of all things CHISD. All right, hello, this is Michael Sudhalter with the Horns Up Half Hour, the official podcast of Cedar Hill ISD. And this is Championship Week. The Cedar Hill Longhorns are going to take on the Katy Tigers from the Houston area. And we have a very special guest. Um, Dennis Silva is the sports editor of the Katy Times. Um, Dennis and I go back quite a ways because I was in the Houston area from 2008 till uh, last year. So I was there quite a while. We traveled in a lot of the same uh, sports journalism circles. So welcome to the podcast, Dennis. Hey, Mike, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to great to have you on the podcast. So um, a lot of excitement here in Cedar Hill. Of course, this is the fourth time that the Cedar Hill Longhorns will be taking on the Katy Tigers. So what is uh, what are people in Katy kind of saying about this game? Well, it's funny because Katy has grown so much over the last few years. Just and I mean, they got nine high schools and districts here, uh, got eighty thousand students. But still, when you talk about Katy High School football, it's very much still a very inclusive small town feel to it. It's a huge week, obviously. They, I mean, this town still bleeds uh, red and white for Katy High School football, and. Uh, being back at the state final, at the state final, which they haven't been since 2015, is a huge deal to them. Uh, you know, for most people, most teams that beat, that's a pretty good. You know, 2015, 2020 is a pretty good span, but for Katie High School, that's that's a drought. That's a, that's a serious drought uh, for fans, for players, for even the coaches. Like, there's a, such a standard there. Um, so, so it's just a feeling of excitement to be back at the state title game for the community and for the players and the program itself. Um, everyone's very excited. The town, you go by the town, and the windows of stores are, are painted in red with decorations and celebratory messages for the for the program and stuff. It's real cool. Cheerleaders, I know, were out a couple of days ago. Uh, they call it painting the town red, where they just go and decorate windows of, of stores and businesses with with Katy High School um, stuff, which is really neat. Just like that small town feel, where you can tell it just still very much means a lot for the local high school to uh, to make it this far in the playoffs. Okay, so Cedar Hill is a um, school here in the Dallas area that's a 6A school with just one high school that plays sports. We have another uh, small high school as well, but uh, one that plays sports. So that's kind of, it kind of makes me wonder, though, with Katie, as they keep adding these schools and that region keeps growing down there, how is Katie High School able to continue its success? It's had a, some um, impact upon the, as far as the, maybe in the enrollment, and I mean minor. Um, Peyto High School, which just opened three years ago, had an, had an impact on the enrollment, took some kids from there, took some kids from Warner Ranch High School. So there's been some impact, but for the most part, um, not significant, not enough to where you can really tell the impact on, on the program itself. The program still has a lot of numbers, a lot of kids who play football, um, still a lot of talent that goes through there. Um, there there's, as the community itself grows and people move to Katy for work or what have you or for the school district, you're going to get talented kids who are uh, athletically gifted. And that's been the case at Katy, too. A big part with Katy that I think, though, despite all the growth of, that's going around it, is that culture has been sustained by from starting with Mike Johnson um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, carried on to Gary Joseph now, 
just that standard, I think the sustaining that standard has been the most impressive thing. When you talk about generations of kids and, and classes of kids, uh, and especially in this modern era, era now of transfers and what have you, KD has still been able to maintain a high standard of uh, what they call excellence. I mean, they're going in their 15th state title game. They've won eight state championships, and, and that's the big drive. That's the big motivation. If you don't play for a state title at KD, that's considered a letdown. And I think those kids picked that up. So no matter the growth and the schools, KDIC will probably add another school here in the next handful of years. No matter all of that that happens, um, the program itself will still be uh, intact because of the culture established by the coaches, by the players, and by um, the parents and, and administration of the district. Okay. And then Cedar Hill has had a similar um, span in which they haven't reached the state championship. Their last trip was uh, 2014. Of course, they made it uh, every year from 2012 to 14 and um, played Katie each of those years, lost in 2012, won in 2013 and 14. But what is the feeling in Katie about um, Cedar Hill? I mean, a team that the last two times they played them, they lost to them. Uh, obviously, six years is a long time, and it's a you know a totally new season, new players, and mostly new coaches and everything. But what is kind of the feeling there about facing this uh, Cedar Hill Longhorn team? I think there's excitement as far as facing someone you're familiar with, and that there's a, there's a rivalry there. Um, they beat Cedar Hill in 2012, lost in 2013, lost in 2014. And I think there's a little bit of a wariness. Like, like now, I mean, when, when we look at it, this should be the first time this postseason that Katie is really challenged and threatened just because of what you see on tape with Cedar Hill, what you see in the stats, what you see in the record, and what they're going to have to accomplish so far. And not only that, from this year, you know what Cedar Hill has done to Katie in the years past. And for a program and community like Katie, they are very much indulged in the past, though, and the history and tradition and all that stuff. So they're aware what Cedar Hill has done and accomplished, and there's a healthy respect for it. So I think from that end, there's an excitement. You're playing someone you know and you're familiar with, and you know what they are capable of because they accomplished it against you. Whereas before, I think there were some of these teams in the playoffs, you didn't really know what they were going to do. I mean, Shadow Creek had some interesting um, history behind it, coming off two state final appearances, winning one of those, and then KU just completely demolished them, 49-24. Then Claire Falls gets in the playoffs for the first time, or wins, the first, uh, wins their first golf game this season, makes a nice run. You don't know what to expect, and K demolishes them. You have Buddha Hayes, who, who was an, another interesting who-are-they-type name, had a 10-3 and record, and Katie demolishes them. And I think now you have a face that's like, okay, we, have, we know who we're playing against. We, we've seen this program before. We've seen, we know what the type of, talent is like, but the, you may be familiar with the area if you look into it and stuff and research it, which some fans do, and you, you at least know what this team is capable of, and there's excitement in that, in playing someone you know and are familiar with, and not a new school name that you have no idea what to expect, and then there's kind of a letdown because Katie has so far wiped every playoff opponent that they've played so far. So, um, one of the things I have to ask you is, um, you cover all the KDISD schools, right? Correct, yeah. So, um, covering sports during this COVID-19 period, what has that been like for you? Man, um, different, very different. And I've just, I mean, I'm like, it's like the rest of society. You, you don't 
You learn to adjust, right? You learn to you acclimate. You learn to. There's no point in complaining. It just it is what it is, and you deal with it. And the sooner you get on board, the sooner your life will be easier for it. So you wear masks when you do interviews. You make sure you're socially distant from players and coaches when you're doing interviews. Um, a lot of stuff is go, is going on through Zoom. There's hardly I have not been uh, in a coach's office this season because it's not it hasn't been allowed simply because they don't want they've been wary of who's on campus one and they prefer now doing the virtual stuff you can do it through zoom you can do it through google teams you can do it through uh, microsoft office whatever have you. you there's other ways around it that they're starting to realize you can do this stuff through so it's different i mean it's it's maybe the first month or two was i mean really an adjustment period because just wearing your mask standing away um there was still a tendency even with the mask you know you tend to get close because uh you're used to it and you just you're reminded like hey like separate yourself like be be six feet apart um that kind of thing when you go to games now the crowds aren't what they were because now it's at half capacity because of covid stuff and you know there's not the same feel and energy um like when you go to a basketball game or, or when you go to even even a football game even you know like like these football games have been sold out but in reality they're just half full they're i mean right. they're not even yeah. it's a different it's a it's just different and it takes a while to really like soak it in and, and just understand it's like a, it's, it's like a different world right now and you just have to adjust you have to do your best with it you have to it forces you to be creative in some ways so it, it, it i mean it's kind of like it is what it is and you just no use in complaining like everyone is having to deal with this everyone not just media but restaurant workers grocery workers policemen firemen and everyone's going to have to adjust right so you just do what you have to do and move on and and make the best of it. Right, and that's a lot of, you know, how it's been here as well. But um, from the team's perspective, what's it been like for these teams during this time? They will tell you that um, they're doing their job. They're wearing their masks. They do wear masks during practices. Uh, I've seen volleyball teams, basketball teams wear masks during the games, which I, I can't even imagine because I, I, I just have to imagine that's just difficult. But they do it because they want to keep their season alive. Um, coaches wear masks. Um, they have to, like I, for instance, Katie, I, a couple, uh, about a month or so ago, maybe, had a couple of weeks where they went through some COVID issues and really had to limit tackling during practices. And, and that had a huge effect because a get, couple games after that, their tackling wasn't, was off and their physicality and aggression. So I, there's stuff like that where, like, I'm sure even behind the scenes, we're not aware of it, just how much they're having to go through. But they'll tell you the same thing, pretty much. It is what is it? What it is? They're doing what they have to do to save their seasons, keep their seasons alive, keep playing games. They're wearing their masks. They're washing their hands. They're being careful about who they're around. They're um, just being attentive to all the little things, that, and it, it can wear on you. I mean, it wears on us as, as adults, I'm sure, Mike. And you can imagine what it is on kids. Right. Want to be around people, right? They want to be around their friends and. And basically, if you want to keep your season alive, if you want to keep playing, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. And for the most part, um, more than the most part, from, from pretty much every school and program I've covered here at KISD, they are doing what they can to the most they can to make sure they are giving themselves every opportunity to keep their season alive. Well, that's a real credit, Dennis, to both Cedar Hill and Katie for um, yeah. you know staying safe as um, this long in the season and as we head into this championship game. 
But uh, circling back to something you said earlier um, about this being a rivalry, um, you know, it is the fourth time they're playing in a state championship, but the first time they played was, of course, 2012. Is it too soon to call it a rivalry, do you think? I mean, maybe. I'm, I'm talking more in, like, a state final terms where, like, when you're playing for something a state championship, I see what you're saying, but I think maybe it is. Like, I another rival I could think of offhand is South Lake Carroll. Right. Yeah. Where you don't, I mean, you don't see each other that often, but when it comes to crunch time or when you're, when you're, when a championship is on the line, it's someone you're familiar with. And I think in high school, it worked because it's, it's a program. It's, it's, you're not playing just obviously the same players and everything and players graduate, but you're playing a program, you're playing a culture, you're playing philosophy, the schematics. And I know Cedar Hill uh, doesn't have the same head coach as those previous years. But I think he was an assistant. He was uh, uh, the defensive coordinator on the 2006 team when they beat uh, Cy Falls. And then he um, accepted the head coaching position at Arlington Seguin High School. And then when Joey McGuire, who was the coach for those first three teams, when he um, joined the staff at Baylor, he's now the associate head coach at Baylor, um, Cedar Hill hired Carlos Lynn. And Carlos Lynn is now in his fourth season. And the interesting thing is McGuire was in his fourth season in his first um, time in the state championship game, and now Carlos Lynn is in the state championship game in his uh, fourth season. But one of the things what I wanted to ask you was, um, what do you think the possibilities are of Katie and Cedar Hill maybe establishing a regular season non-district matchup? Man, um, I actually don't. No, I mean, I would have to look more into the budgets of the athletic department and what's good as far as travel. I do know, man, I know since I got here in January 2017 covering KDISD, I don't think Katie's had an out-of-town non-district opponent. Well, what would be neat about it if it ever happened, and I haven't talked to the athletic department here, is it could either be a a home and home, or it could be, you know, played at Cowboy Stadium and or uh, NRG Stadium in Houston, home of the Texans, or they could play in Waco, about halfway between both, yeah. and um, it could, you know, be good preparation for the teams. I know our school, um, Cedar Hill, um, we ended up playing Alito second game of the year, and of course Alito's in the 5A Division II championship yeah. game, and we defeated them 27-17, and that was their only. Um, loss of the season for Alito. So, um, so yeah, it could definitely be a interesting game. But, you know, um, hypotheticals aside, we have to kind of look at um, what do you think the difference in this game on Saturday is going to be? Man, um, I think if Katie can sustain ball control and tempo and keep that Cedar Hill offense on the sideline, I think they'll have a great shot at, at winning. Um, I think if the fewer snaps that uh, um, Falter gets at quarterback, the more you can keep him on the sideline watching, the more Katie has a chance of winning. It's going to be a great game. Um, I think Skeeter Hill has probably more talent than Katie. Um, I do think Katie is very sound fundamentally. I don't think they make a lot of mistakes. I think that defense is elite. Um, They've even taken, you can take that junior defensive end Malik Stella out, who who's had a season-ending ankle issue. 
and they haven't missed a beat. They plug someone right in who should be starting for any other team, and they just kind of keep going because that defensive coach, Gary Joseph's MO, that's what he does. He is a terrific defensive mind. And that game within the game of him scheming against um, Stalker is, is going to be exciting to watch. It, it, I mean, it's interesting. I, I haven't seen a lot of Cedar Hill. I haven't seen much of Cedar Hill at all. I've seen the stats. I've seen the numbers. Um, it does seem to be like Salter will be the toughest individual kind of Katie will see this season. Um, but I do know Katie has in the past had issues with fast athletic receivers and dual threat quarterbacks. The thing is, if you can, if Salter can make quick decisions and read that defense and make them pay, it'll be interesting. It'll be in favor of Cedar Hill, but good luck. Not a lot of quarterbacks can do that against Katie's defense. Um, It'll be. I, I really, it's been a toss-up. I've been thinking about this all week. Like, who has the edge? Where the edges are? And it's basically, if Katie can keep talent progression on their side, keep the Cedar Hill offense on the sideline, I think they have a great shot at winning. So Cedar Hill. Um, one of the interesting things was this year, even though they have those three state championships, uh, they had never had a playoff game to where they had a shutout. And the first one they played uh, Brian, which is down, you know, toward your your way in Houston, and they. Yeah shut them out 27-0, and then the very next week, they uh, beat Tyler Legacy 45-0. to But ever since then, the last three playoff games was Tomball Memorial, another Houston area team, was a relatively yeah. close game for a while. And then Rockball Heath was a real nail-biter. That was a game in which they were trailing the whole game, and then they ended up winning in overtime, uh, 27-24. And then um, this past week was a pretty close one, too, against Denton Geyer. They won by 10. So do you think having those close games will provide any type of an advantage for um, for Cedar Hill as opposed to where Katie's just kind of been, um, you know, winning convincingly in all these recent games? I think that's a great point. I think um, the last time Katie was challenged was early November against Tompkins, the game they lost. Um, other than that, they, you're right. They roll over, over everybody. And I think one of the things about this playoff run is they haven't been tested, is they haven't been challenged. Uh, most of the starters are sitting by midway through the third quarter for the most part. And, yeah, I think I think for Cedar Hill it helps being close games because I think this will be a close game. I think this will be probably within one, within one score, at most within two scores in the fourth quarter. And it helps having that experience that, okay, we have a team that we know can pull it out and things get tight in the fourth quarter. Was that, think, was that Tompkins game kind of a um, turning point? Do you feel like they kind of learned a lot yeah. from it and then moved forward? Yeah. They had a 75 district game winning streak going to that game, and Tompkins beat them kind of handily. I mean, when I say handily, uh, it was the score was still close. I can't remember the score offhand, but Tompkins was impressive, and that was the game that essentially cost Katie a district championship, which would have been And that is something interesting about that game because we talk about, you know, Katie and Cedar Hill obviously being juggernauts, but an interesting side note is both of them finished second in the district because Cedar Hill had that close – it was closer than a two-touchdown game, but they ended up losing 28-14 at Duncanville. So both of these teams finished second in their district, but they both could win it. Well, one of them's going to win state, but – the interesting thing what you said about the Katie uh, having that um, district winning streak snapped. I actually remember 
it was my first year in Houston, and the last time that they um, lost the district game was 2008 to Cinco Ranch. So I remember that that was a big deal back then. Yeah, yeah. So that Tompkins game, when you look at it, costing you your district win streak, then. I mean, and, and by all means, costing you the district title. I think that was a turnaround. I think the players look at that as a wake-up call, and, you know, people talk about, like, uh, obviously they hear the noise, like, is Tompkins the new king of Katie and all that stuff, and there's all that pattern going on. And I think that woke the players up a little bit. I think they straightened up. I think they focused uh, more, and I think they got a lot of things right after that. The defense started really playing well. The quarterback, who's a sophomore, in a Coger, has been – Tremendous since then. He's been absolutely lights out, and that's been key for them. Um, well, it's just one of those things where, yeah, it was a wake-up call, but they still haven't been tested since then, and I would have loved, liked to have seen this team in a close game with the way it's played since that Tompkins game. We haven't seen it yet. We, we've just seen blowouts, which, to their credit, right, to their credit, you can only play who's on the schedule in front of you. They've taken care of them. They've had no business. They've done what they needed to do. But it would be nice to see how they handled that post-game environment with the way this team has played since that Tompkins game. Okay, well, uh, this um, football podcast wouldn't be complete unless you and I offered our predictions for the game. So um, I think since we're going to be the home team, and it'll be obviously uh, closer to us here in the DFW Metroplex, I'll let you, you know, um, offer your prediction first. I'm going Katie 21, Cedar Hill 14. Okay, and then I'm going to go with um, Cedar Hill um, 21 to 17 over Katie for the state championship. It'll be fun. So, It'll be a great game, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, we're all, we're excited here, and um, you know we have a lot of respect for Katie and all their tradition and success over the years, and um, looking forward to another. Um, Another fun, uh, competitive high school football game. So, once again, Dennis Silva, uh, sports editor of the Katy Times, thank you for uh, coming on the podcast. Appreciate you, Mike. Thank you for having me.